right, well, good morning and welcome to Renewal Church. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at Renewal, and I'm so glad you're here today as we continue our Work Matters teaching series. And during the series, we've discovered that God created us to work. But not only that, God wants our work to be meaningful, to be purposeful, to be enjoyable, but he also wants us to understand that work is not the most important thing in life. I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. You know, work can be stressful, right? Uh, we deal with difficult people. We work long hours. We spend a good chunk of our life at work. And we work so hard, we give up so much, we sacrifice so much at work. But what if we're working towards the wrong things? Like, what if our definition of success, what we're shooting for, is actually the wrong place to be? Uh, and we're going to get there, and we're going to like, this is what I've been working for. This is what I've sacrificed so much of my life for. This is what I've had to deal with, all the junk and all the difficult people and all that. This is what it's for. And we don't want that all of our investment in our work to be in vain because we're shooting for the wrong things because we haven't really defined what success is. Now, when it comes to how you measure success at work or your career, uh, the world has certain standards of success, right? Now, how does the work measure success? Well, we have uh, some examples up here. Uh, maybe success is winning an Oscar, right? And yeah, that is successful, right? That's a good place to be. How about having a billion dollars? Uh, here are some of the most famous billionaires in the world. I mean, that would be successful, right? Or how about this, getting a Nobel Prize in immunology? I mean, that's a really big accomplishment and a success. Or maybe even winning six Super Bowls, right? Like that's success, fame, wealth, power, influence, being at the top of your game. And these things, for good or for bad, are really the main ways that the world measures success. Now understand, there's nothing wrong with achieving these things. These are great things. Right? These are amazing accomplishments, and we should uh, shoot for you know, achieving those things. But you see, God doesn't measure success that way, though. That's not how God looks at success. God measures success in a completely different way. And so if you want to live a truly successful life, and I think we all do, I hope so at least, we've got to change the way we're thinking about success and how we're defining success. Because if you keep trying to copy the world's standards for success, I mean, if that's your main goal, uh, not only are you gonna wind up frustrated, empty, and disappointed, right? But one day, you're gonna stand before God thinking you've lived a successful life. And you may have in your eyes, in your eyes, in your eyes, but in God's eyes, right, the only eyes that really matter, you will have fallen short. Because true success by God is not measured by any of the things that we've talked about, we've mentioned here. None of them. But it's measured by something entirely different. In fact, in the New Testament, Jesus tells a parable uh, to illustrate what true success is in God's eyes. Uh, and there's an owner of a business who had to go away on a business trip. Uh, and so he needed uh, people to watch over and take charge of his business. And so uh, he gives one of his employees uh, five bags of silver. He gives another uh, employee two bags of silver. And he gives a third employee one bag of silver. And he goes on a long trip. He finally comes back, calls these people together to give an account for how they managed his business. The employee with five bags had doubled his money. He had 10 bags of silver. Fantastic. The employee with two bags had doubled his money, and he had four bags of silver. 
And in the boss's eyes, they had been successful. Look what he says to him. It's your first verse in your message notes. It says, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And so their success was determined by how faithful they were with what they had been entrusted with. And they heard the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. They were successful, and so they were rewarded with more. Now, the employee who had just one bag of silver, you know what he did with it? He buried it. And so when the master came back, he asked him, what did you do with it? And he says, I buried it. Here's your bag of silver back. Now, you would think, right, okay, all right, you didn't lose it, okay, you kept it. You know, not, not the best, but, you know, good job. Maybe not well done, but good job. But that's not how the master responds. Uh, in fact, he wasn't happy at all. He was so unhappy, he took away that one bag of silver and gave it to the person who had ten bags. So what little he had was taken away from him. Now, what's the big difference here between the guy who had five bags and two bags and the guy that just had one bag? Well, Jesus is saying true success in life and in work is determined by how faithful you are with what has been given to you. Now, some of us in life are given five bags. Some of us are given two bags. Some of us are given one bags. Some of us are given a lot of money. Some of us are given a great education. Some of us are given a great family. Uh, some of us are given great talents, right? Some of us are given great intelligence. But here's the thing. It's not, it doesn't matter what you've been given or how much of it you've been given, but what you do with what you have been given. And so will you be faithful with what God has blessed you with, no matter what it is? Or will you waste it and bury it? Will you strive for success in God's eyes, or are you going to strive for success in the world's eyes? You see, and this is a real sobering thought, so I really want you to hear that. At the end of our lives, we're going to have to stand before God and give an account of what we did with our life. And God's going to say one of two things. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a little, and now I'm going to bless you with even more. Let's celebrate together. Or he's going to say, Chris, you know, you, I love you, right? Uh, but I'm disappointed in you. You know, you're still going to be with me in heaven. You know, it uh, doesn't change the love I have for you, but you could have done so much more with what I've given you. Yes, you may have been successful by the world, world standards, but by my standards, you, fall, you fell short. And you know what? I think that's probably one of the biggest fears I have in life. One day I'm going to stand before God and he's going to say, you know what? I love you, but I'm a little disappointed in you because I, this is what I gave you and you could have done so much more with what I have given you. So go ahead and open your notes to the inside, because how do you and I hear well done from God? That's what we're going to talk about the rest of our time today, whether we've given five bags of silver, two bags of silver, or one bag of silver. Or maybe you feel like you don't even have a, one bag of silver, you don't have very much at all. Whatever it is, how do we hear well done from God? So the first thing is I maximize the tools God has given me. To hear well done from God, I maximize the tools that God has given me. Listen, all of us have been gifted by God, every single person. We've been given tools to work with in our life here. 
combination of natural gifts uh, that God has given you and I at birth, like talent or intelligence and personality. And then when you become a Christian, God gives you spiritual gifts, uh, which are special gifts that he wants you to use to serve the church and to serve God. Gifts like encouragement and hospitality and service and wisdom and discernment and teaching, those kind of things. And here's the thing. God has given you both your natural gifts and your spiritual gifts to do what he created you to do, to fulfill your purpose in life. In the book of Hebrews chapter 13, 21, it says, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. And he has. He has. He has equipped us to do his will. The question is, what are we going to do with it? So the question is, are you using those tools that God has given you? What are you doing with them? Are you using them to strive for success by the world's standards or by God's standards? Now listen, yes, it's, it's good to use those tools God has given you uh, to, at work to make money, to take care of your family, right? But work success is only one part of the larger life success. And more importantly, how are you maximizing the tools that God has given you to serve God? For instance, some of you have the great tool of communication. You're really good at communicating and talking in front of people. Uh, and you use it at work uh, to get ahead at work, and that's great. But could you use those gifts in serving and renewal kids to help the next generation learn about Jesus? You know, God has given you the tool of leadership and wisdom, and you've been using that to get a good salary and to take care of your family, right? But do you also invest in God's work by giving to your church so it can impact this city for Jesus? You know, God has given you the talent to play an instrument or sing, and uh, maybe you sing in the shower, or you go out karaoke, or maybe even professionally are using these gifts. But do you help people worship God here at church on Sunday by being part of the worship team? Or God has given you love for technology, and you love to tinker around with stuff. You love to plug wires and uh, turn dials, and maybe you even do that at your job. But do you Serve at renewal so people can hear and see, hear the music, read the lyrics, hear the teaching, read the notes on the screen. Do you use your gifts for doing that? You know, are you maximizing the tools that God has given you? Or are you just using them for yourself? You know, sometimes I'll talk with people and they have the one bag syndrome, <laughs> what I like to call. They feel like the servant from the story who just got one bag of silver. I don't have enough to make a difference. What can I do with this? I don't have enough money. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough connections or influence. I don't have enough opportunities. I don't have this. I don't have that. No. You use whatever tools you do have right now. I love this verse, and I use it a lot, Ecclesiastes 11.4. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. And so if you wait till you have everything you think you need to do something, guess what? You're never going to do it. I mean, how many of you agree with that, right? How many of you are waiting for, like, the perfect situation to do something for God? You know, if you wait for perfect conditions, you're never really going to get started achieving your dream. Because you're never going to have the perfect, you're never going to have perfect conditions. You know, someday I'll do this, one of these days. You know, people waste their whole life saying those things. Someday. One of these days. No, today is the day. This is the day. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. So if we don't do it now, 
It may never get done. So to hear, well done from God, we maximize the tools he's already given to you. And start today. Second step is, I then live and work in a Christ-like manner. I live and work in a Christ-like manner. You know, the how is just as important as the what. I want to say that again. When it comes to measure success and hearing well done from God, how you live your life, how you work is just as important as what you do. The truth is, sometimes if you want to be successful by the world standards, it helps to be a jackass. It helps to push yourself to the front of the line, to step on people to get over, to lie, to get ahead. To go back on your word, to not fulfill all your commitments. Sometimes it helps to get success in the world standards by doing those things. To use people instead of helping people. And the world measures, if we're honest, a large part of success based on results. They don't care how you get there or who you destroy along the way, they just care that you get there, that you win that championship ring, that you get that Nobel Prize, that you get the Oscar. That's what the world cares about, but God measures success differently. It's determined by how you get there as much as where you're going. You know, Christians should be the greatest examples in our world of integrity. And it's sad for me to say this, but I don't think that's true. But we should be. It's embarrassing, I think. And here's the thing. As you become more Christ-like in your life and at your work, at your jobs, you know what? People are going to start to notice you. You're different. It's actually going to be attractive to them. They're going to want to know what's going on with you. Like, how can I be like that? You're different than everybody else. And you know what? That opens a door for you to then share about your faith. To say, well, here's why I'm different. You know, I work for God. I have a different boss than you. You know, how I do something is just as important as what I'm doing. So what does my Christ-like and my actions look like? Well, there are two characteristics. First, it means I live a life of integrity. And integrity is is pretty much where, you know, what you say you believe and how you live your life, they, they match. Like there's no, you know, I believe this, and so I live this way. You know, too many of us say, I believe this, but we live a different way than that. We live in contrast to that. Integrity is character. It means it's consistent with what I believe and what I do. For instance, integrity is um, when you strive to be honest in every interaction, no matter what. Even when you get caught red-handed, you're tempted to tell a little white lie. Well, you know, no, I did it. And that's the way we should be. We should be the greatest examples of integrity. People should look at us. Watch us, how we act and what we say, and see that there's no conflict between the two, that they match up. That's why living with integrity is so important. Because when people find out you're a Christian, you know what? They're going to be watching you. They'll be watching what you're doing and how you're doing it. And they're going to be judging you Whether it's fair or not, they will be judging you. And you know what? They will judge Jesus by what you do. They will judge the church by how you act. You know, if you say you're a Christian, but you live an inauthentic life, 
and you lack integrity, you're lazy, you're selfish, or you tear people down, it's going to destroy you, not only your credibility, but it's going to turn people off from Jesus. So like, why should I believe in Jesus? He's made no difference in your life. You're just like everybody else. Listen, remember, you're not working for a corporation. You're not working for a studio. You are not even self-employed. As a Christian, you are working for God. God is your boss every single day. So always have integrity in everything you do. Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. So integrity matters. But there's another trait that's just as important to live and work in a Christ-like manner. And that is love. Of all the traits you can have, of all the characteristics you can exhibit, love is the most important one. In fact, Jesus says that showing love to others is the number one action that we can take to prove we are followers of Jesus. It's how we love. Practical acts of love are the best way to draw people towards God. We should love one another outrageously, so like radically that people are like, how can you love like that? How is that even possible to love like that? You say, Jesus. Jesus made it possible. Be the one who helps those in need to show that you care, who helps others at work instead of competing with them. Maybe letting them take the credit for something that you've done because they, maybe they need that this week. Had a hard week. Maybe you're the one who brings coffee in the morning for everyone. I don't know, but be that light in a dark place. He says in Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, some people might think that living a good life is enough to be successful in God's eyes. You know, if I live a Christ-like life with incredible integrity and love them with an incredible love, just my life might lead them to God. And you know what? It does play a part in the process of a person coming to faith in Jesus Christ. The way you live might just open up their hearts to the possibility of following Jesus. Maybe you've moved them from that far end of the spectrum a little bit closer to God by your life. But here's the truth. I don't know anyone who steps over that line and puts their faith in Jesus, all right, just by looking at the life of someone else. I've never met a person who's done that. It usually takes more than that. And that leads us to our next way to hear well done from God across the page in your notes. I am open about my faith. Now, I want to be clear about what I'm not saying here. All right, I'm not saying hit people over the head with your faith. Okay, to walk into work and say, Bob, do you have those quarterly reports? Jane, are you ready for that big presentation? Steve, do you know your soul is hanging by a thread over the precipice of hell? That's not winning. That's not, you're not going to win anybody over with that one. I mean, how about this? Simply start with letting people know you're a Christian, that you go to church, that you're in a community group, that you pay, pray, that you read your Bible. 
Now, there's a right way to go about doing this, and there's also a wrong way about doing this. There's a sincere and loving way to do it, but there's also an obnoxious, judgmental way to do this as well. For example, a group of coworkers are going out after work for a drink and ask if you want to join them, and you respond, no thanks, I'm a Christian. Or maybe someone drops the F-bomb in front of you and say, as a Christian, you know, I find that offensive. Yes, you know what? They'll stop inviting you out. They'll stop cursing around you only because they can't stand you. They won't want to be around you at all because they're going to feel like you're judging every single thing that they do. And listen, they may be doing and saying things that are contrary to our faith. But by your judgmental response, you are closing the door on any opportunity that you might have to share the love of Jesus with them. In fact, they end up disliking you. And even worse, they end up disliking Jesus because of you. In fact, you're pushing them farther away from God. You're not helping them by doing that. You know, sometimes, and I hate this, the biggest barrier to people coming to faith in Jesus is Christians. I hate that. But we can change that. We can change that. Now, I've shared with you how not, right, to represent Jesus. But let me tell you the best way to live out your faith. And this is very profound and complicated. Spend time with people. Hang out with them outside of the work. Be real with them. Develop friendships with them. And in the midst of those relationships that you develop, you will have a natural opportunity to let them know you're a Christian. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? Well, you know, I'm gonna, we're going out for a picnic on Saturday, and then I'm going to church on Sunday. Listen, I know it can be tough, really tough to begin sharing your faith with others. So why not start simple? Why not just invite someone to come to church with you? That's the easiest way to do it. And Jesus cares about you being able to share your faith with others. In fact, Jesus is pretty blunt about us sharing our faith in Luke 9 Verse 26 is, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person. God, I don't want Jesus ashamed of me. Listen, most of the time, if you let people know you're a believer and you're open about your faith in a kind and loving way and non-judgmental way, you know what? They're going to respect you. They may not believe the same things that you do, but they'll respect you for your beliefs. And then when the time comes in their life, when they have a question, maybe about faith, they're going to remember you. They're going to say, hey, you know, can you answer a question for me? Or maybe they'll know they have someone who would pray for them if they're going through a difficult time. And then when an opportunity presents yourself, be bold. Be ready to talk about your faith with them. Tell them your story. Tell them what Jesus has done for you the best way. You know, one of the most powerful ways, I think, to share your faith with people is to invite them to church with you. I really believe that. Most of the time, people are open to new experiences if a friend invites them. You know, Easter Sunday is less than two months away. And I don't know if you know about Easter, but people are most likely to go to church on Easter than any other day of the year. 
It's just one of those days, you know, people just expect to go to church or they're thinking about church on Easter. And we're kicking off a brand new series called Unshakable Faith, and we're going to have two services here on Easter, and you're going to hear more about our Easter services. But what I'm going to ask you is start praying, starting today, praying for Easter here at Renewal. Start praying for the people in your life who don't know God and who don't go to church. Pray that you'll have an opportunity to share your faith, that you will have the courage and not be ashamed of Jesus to actually maybe invite them to come on Easter. And studies have shown that most likely people will come with you on Easter if you ask them. But here's the point. The most important thing that you can do with your life above anything and everything else that you can think of is to help people who don't know God find God. Because you know what? Not only is that going to radically change your life here, but it's going to change your eternity. Be open about your faith. Commit your life to helping as many people as possible know Jesus. And then once you've decided to share your faith with as many people as possible to be successful in God's eyes and hear him say to you, well done, you have to be ready when God interrupts your life. And that's the next point. I look for divine moments. I look for divine moments. You know, a divine moment is when God interrupts your life with a mission. You know, God puts another person in your path and provides you with an opportunity to live out your faith and actually make a difference in someone else's life. You know, we must always be on the lookout for these divine moments in our life. And here's the thing, they happen every single day. The problem is we don't always recognize them. Why? Because we're not looking for them. And if you do those first three things we talked about today to hear well done, guess what? God's going to provide more and more opportunities for you every day to help others get closer to him. Colossians 4, 5 says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most out of every opportunity. And here are three quick things that you can do to make the most of those opportunities. You can write this down off to the side. Pray to God for opportunities. <laughs> right? Pray for you to share your faith with specific people, so your specific coworkers. You know, prayer is one of the most practical ways, believe it or not, that you can begin to sharing your faith. And here's the thing. People don't even know you're doing it. So who can you be praying for this week? in these next few weeks, that you could maybe even invite to church next Sunday to come with you. Write those names down. Pray for them. So pray is the first one, too, is be aware of the divine moments that come into your life every day. You know, how many times do we miss those divine appointments and never realize it because we're simply just not paying attention? We look back later, and you know what? We said, you know, I should have said something, or I should have helped that person. Why didn't I do that? Now it's too late. See, that divine moment may never come back again. And then here's a big one, and I think it's you'd be willing to be interrupted. I mean, you know, we're so driven at times. We're so busy. We're getting from here to there. I got to do this. I got to do that. that We don't even want to be interrupted. I mean, how often do we walk down the street somewhere with an attitude, don't bother me? Like, I'm, you know, I've lived in New York City for 22 years. Like, I've mastered that. 
You know, just don't bother me. But I see it here in Boston, too. When I travel, for, go to work, to go to the office, when I get on the T, it's like, everybody, don't bother me. So be willing to be interrupted. Don't be so distracted with the less important things that you can miss out maybe the most important thing in your life, someone that God has placed in your path. We have to ask yourself, am I too busy to be interrupted by God? I want you to think about the ramifications of that. Am I too busy to be interrupted by God? If you are, you're focusing on completely the wrong things in life. You're following the wrong path. You're not going to be happy when you get there. Believe me. Look, we are talking about really the eternal implications of heaven and hell. You know, heaven is a place in God's presence with God's love, and hell is just simply separated from God's love for an eternity. We have to be willing to let God interrupt us. So you want to be successful in God's eyes? You want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Well, here's a good prayer to pray every morning. Father, here's my schedule for today. I have a lot going on, a lot of things I, I got to do. I have a lot of plans in my life. But you know what, God? I am willing to be interrupted today. I am willing to be interrupted today. If you send a divine moment into my life, I will stop. I will share my faith with someone. I will help someone in need. I will show the love of Jesus to them. Help me recognize that moment and take the time to share. And I think if we all prayed that prayer every morning, our lives would be radically different. We wouldn't go home at the end of the day exhausted, stressed, worn out. Instead, we'll go home energized because we, we interacted with God today. We helped somebody today. We loved somebody today. Yeah, it didn't fit in my plans today, but I made a difference today. Let's pray that prayer. And then finally, on the back page of your notes, to find true success in work and life and hear those beautiful words, well done from God. I live to give glory to God. To find true success, you know, expect that God is going to be with you because he will be to help you and to bless you in your endeavors. But the key is that's only going to happen if you are living to actually bring glory to God and not just yourself, that you're actually serving him and not just feeding your own ego. First Corinthians 10.31, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In other words, success in God's eyes is when you do everything at home, at work, you know, in the park, at school, when you commute, when you're playing basketball, when everything that you do brings glory to God. It points people in your life to God. Listen, if you live for God and you're not a self-promoter, if you live for God, you're not a self-promoter. If you live with integrity, if you're open with your faith, if you use your gifts for God and others and not just for yourself, guess what? There's going to be some sacrifices that you're going to have to make. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to give up something. Maybe you don't get that raise because you won't do what's not right. Maybe you don't get the recognition that you feel you deserve because you don't hog credit. 
Maybe you get left out of something because you won't compromise your integrity. Maybe you get persecuted because you live out your faith. But don't give up. Because success in the world's eyes is not the goal. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. You know, at the end of our life, every single person is going to stand before God. And they're going to have to answer two questions. First question is, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with my son? And that's a question of salvation. You know, did you decide to follow Jesus with your life? Did you receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers? Did you receive the eternal life that Jesus brings to you? And in a moment, I'm going to say a prayer. And if you haven't done that, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you can do that today. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get your life together. You don't have to do anything special. You just have to give your life to Jesus. You have to just believe in Jesus. Because Jesus did it all for you. Just got to believe it. But the second question God is going to ask is he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And we'll have to answer that question whether we've been good stewards, good managers with what God has given us, or we haven't. Maybe we've just lived for ourselves. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to heaven. And here, Chris, I'm a little disappointed. You could have done so much more. Well, I gave you. But you misused my blessings. You used them for something Something else, something that the world wanted you to use, something that you wanted to use them for, not what I wanted you to use them for. In fact, you've waste, you wasted my blessings. I don't want to hear that. Instead, I want to hear these words from God because I'm faithful. It's our last verse. It's our memory verse for today. It's in the words of Jesus from Matthew 25, 21. In fact, let's read this all out loud together but only do it if you want to hear it. Are you guys ready? And go. Well, well done, done, my, my good, good and faithful, faithful servant. servant. So I want to hear that, and I really hope you do too.